0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Royal from Rice of Mastery. I'm excited to have Sam Jacobs, who's the founder and CEO of Pavilion. He launched Pavilion as revenue collective in 2016 and bootstrapped the company to $10 million in the era before taking a $25 million growth financing round. Uh, led by Elephant Ventures and GDM Fund. Prior to Pivalence, uh, Sam spent 15 years as a senior revenue leader at VC-backed companies in the New York, including um, Jason Lehman Group, Axel, and Livestream, uh, and others. And he's recently launched his new book, Kind Folks Finish First. A big thanks to Kathleen Booth for the introduction. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, you know, um, uh, I, I read your book. I, I really loved it, but um, but can you you know share about your experience? How did you start? Uh, get your start in startups, and you know, why did you want to start Pavilion?
1: Sure, I um, my my, uh, my my background is as follows. I've been working in high growth companies and startups, uh, since two thousand three, and uh, and I've been in uh, New York that entire time. So just coming up on twenty years, it'll be twenty years in February of next year, and um. You know, uh, particularly beginning in 2010, when I was when I was in more senior leadership positions as a VP um, at at high growth software companies, I realized that I didn't have, you know, a community of people that uh, that were around me to help me do my job better. And these jobs today are changing every day. The, the tools, the strategies, the tactics that you need to be successful are constantly shifting. And so I started Pavilion. It was originally called Revenue Collective, but I started Pavilion as a mechanism pr- largely for myself to help support myself, to help support my peers, and to help provide a safety net and a a series of templates and, and frameworks and guidance uh, back to my peers so that we could be more successful in our roles, so that we could have more confidence, and so that we could ha- have a greater chance of achieving the professional success that we all wanted to achieve. So, I started doing that in 2014. Uh, I began monetizing it in 2018, and uh, you know, of course, as it articulates in the book. Meanwhile, I kept getting fired, and so I uh, I decided at the end of 2018, when I was fired from my last job, that it was just time to start working on this full time. So I've been working on it full time for four years, and today, you know, we're we're just uh, we're we're approaching 20 million in revenue. We're 65 people. Uh, at the company full-time, but most importantly, we're close to 10,000 members all over the world. And so, um, yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey, not without its challenges. This year has certainly been the most challenging year uh, that I faced running Pavilion, and I'm sure next year will be equally challenging, but it's also been the most rewarding
0: professional experience of my life. So, no, I think that's super interesting. And uh, you had rebounded revenue collected to Pavilion and also raised twenty five million dollars from uh, Elephant Ventures. How will the funding yeah. support the growth of Pavilion?
1: Well, the funding, you know, helped us be more ambitious and aggressive, and also expand our offerings. And so, a couple of areas where we invested as a consequence of the financing, the biggest one is the launch of Pavilion University. So right. we launched an online training platform. Uh, last year. This year, we really scaled it and professionalized it. We've had over 12,000 total enrollments this year and over 6,000 unique students from the community, as I mentioned, of just about 10,000. So, about half of the community, a little more than half, has taken a course. And when they take a course, they tend to take two. And so, that just sort of tells you that. And these are time-intensive commitments, by the way. You know, this is not Uh, And there's nothing yet. Next year, we'll be launching and rolling out more asynchronous, you know, self-paced courses so that you can watch videos and do it on your own time. But so far... This has all been live sessions led by instructors where you have to show up in person and participate if you want to achieve the certificate and, you know, pass the pass the school, pass the course. So it's a big time commitment from our members. And yet, as we've rolled out more offerings, uh, we've only seen more success and higher uptake and more engagement from our community, which has been really powerful.
0: Interesting, you know, because I've taken part in the CRO school and I'm currently doing the advanced uh, RevOps course So I think it's... Oh, awesome. Really- yeah, it's very very useful to you know take part in these uh, in these university offerings and uh, and you know the, the most interesting thing about pavilion is uh, the community is so engaged. I've been to a couple of uh, the uh, you know uh, uh, the uh, the gatherings which have happened in London. How do you spark this engagement and how do you keep uh, the community members so uh, motivated to be active? Well, it's
1: very hard. And and this year, it's also been challenging for a number of different reasons. The biggest challenge that happens when you're trying to scale community is it loses its intimacy as you get bigger. And people right. feel like the essence and the core of what it was when they joined often becomes diluted. And so how do you maintain that? And it's very difficult and it requires time, energy and money. And um, you know, so so what does that mean? That means that we have uh, community leaders. Uh, we used to call them chapter heads. Now we call them yep. envoys, but it's still fulfilling the same function of <coughs> curating the community and the conversation and also stimulating the conversation so that people are active and engaged. And that's a big part of how we do it. The other part is we try to create subcommunities and make sure that people have smaller homes within the bigger homes so that they feel like they're not just one among 10,000, but to your point, right, that you're one of the London chapter, you're one of the 20 people at that dinner, and that there are mechanisms and frameworks for people to constantly engage and have a conversation and debate and discuss. And then finally, I would say that, you know, we really try to lead with our values. I think our values are differentiating. You know, I just wrote this book, Kind Folks Finish First, and that's really, those are the values that underscore and underpin the stabilization and the formulation of the community. And I think we just try to teach that to people that if you're gonna participate, you know we want you to participate. We don't want people that are just passengers on the bus. We want people that are active and engaged and helping and supporting. And we try and convince a few people. And then when you convince a few people, the rest of the people learn that they can sort of pay it forward in a way, which is also uh, you know a great thing. So it takes a lot of work. Uh, we try to push our values out into the universe, out into the out into the open so that people understand what's expected of them when they join. And then, you know, we try and stimulate and curate as much as we can.
0: Got it. And you you talked about values and uh, interestingly, you pointed out in the book as well as in the newsletter that you work with a coach called Jim Rosen and you define your values as foundation focus and future. I think that's very interesting. But but how can a, a you know executive, you know, get down and define their own goals, uh, sorry, on their own values? And do you think the, the same values kind of founder and operator used that in the company?
1: Well, I mean, I, I used a coach to define my values. I think, you know, that story is about in the book, somebody asked me, you know, what do you stand for? And I said, I stand for making money. Yeah. And um, the, point of the, the point of the story in the book is that that's not really sufficient. It's not really enough to just be about making money. It has to be about something more. So we walked through this exercise that that Jim uh, Rosen, who's a coach that I mentioned in the book, talked to me about figuring out what it is that I stand for to the point of the framework that you mentioned. and so what can others do? Well, of course, they can use Jim Rosen. They can look up this framework uh, online. But I think fundamentally, the biggest point is to stop and just ask yourself the question, what is it that you stand for and what is it that you believe? And you know, there's a lot of different exercises. I'm reading Traction right now, which is a book based on the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS, and that framework. There's a lot of different ways to figure out what you stand for and what your values are. I think the most important thing is that you do the exercise some way whoever's method you want to use, but that you go through the exercise of figuring out what it is that you fundamentally believe. And, um, and then you make them your own, you know, I think they have to be authentic. They have to be real. I don't, you know, everybody talks about how everybody has the same values, you know, be integrity, be courageous, be bold and whatever it may be. And, you know, uh, treat other people nicely. I think the ideas can be similar. I think it has to be your words. It has yeah. to sound like the voice of the founder, and if it sounds like the voice of the founder, then I think you're in good shape. Because it's not about the ideas being differently; it's about it's about the spirit of the founding of the organization carrying through to you know the later stages.
0: Mm. Got it. interesting, and uh, uh, you know, you you run a, a a company, and you also written the book. Kind folks finish first. Uh, why did you write the book? You know, and how did you manage the time to write
1: the book? Um, I wrote the book because we, uh, well, my my second coach. I do. Di- I have a different coach that I mentioned in the book called right. uh, John Mark Shaw, and uh, and he uh, he encouraged me because we went through COVID. It was a really difficult personal time in my life and a difficult professional time, and yet the business grew significantly during COVID. And it was a big success story, I think, during that time. And you know, we'll need more success stories as we head into this recession of 2023. But I wrote the book because I felt like the financing uh, was a culmination. A lot of the work that I'd done over the past of the previous years, I wrote the book because I felt like these were ideas that I think are important for people, regardless of whether they pay me money to become a customer of Pavilion. And I wrote the book because I just felt like it's not about me, you know, and and frankly, the point of the book isn't that I'm perfect. And you might assume, oh, Sam wrote a book called Kind Folks Finish First. And that means that he thinks he's kind. He thinks he's special or different. I, I'm i flawed. And every day I wake up and I I might need to reread portions of the book because I'm not adhering to some of the same principles that I learned from. And so it was a way of documenting this experience, memorializing the experience, but also sharing a message that I think. You know, hopefully helps people, helps them understand that there's not one way to be successful in business, that there's lots of ways to be successful.
0: To I have an interesting stat for you to you denote know that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylmastery.com slash social pilot together. 14-day free trial. Very interesting, and you also talked about in the book that uh, you know coaching helps you more than therapy. I mean, how do you find the the right coach? Do you need to? You know, I mean, you also mentioned earlier that you have two different coaches. Uh, um, so, you know, any any thoughts about coaching? You know, how should somebody find a great coach for themselves?
1: Well, I think you know you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince yeah. and uh, or princess or non-binary, uh, you know, descendant of royalty. But um, but the point is. Um, uh, it's about your judgment. You know, it's about who you click with. It's about, I think the the main thing is you just, it's an interview process and you try to find, I think it's also important. There's, there's different kinds of coaches, you know, there's coaches that can be advisors for your business that you can ask pricing questions to. And there's coaches that are about how you look at life. And my coach is about how I look at life. It's not a, he, you know. He makes some business recommendations, but mainly it's about getting in the right mindset to be receptive and open to success, and visualizing success, and visualizing happiness, and understanding that um, that's a path for people, and about changing your mindset. So, you know, I found my coach because I was introduced to him to a, through a friend, and you know, I was skeptical at first but we began to work together. We began to talk and I found results. You know, I, my life started to change and, you know, whether it's because of my coach or not, it doesn't really matter. It sort of only matters what I believe and, you know, what I think about what works and uh, what I think about what works is that uh, I want to be focused on positivity. I want to be focused on happiness. I want to be focused on giving and helping other people and being grateful. And uh, he helps me do that. So, you know, I think, but it depends, you know, some people feel like they don't need, they don't need a life coach. What they need is a business coach to tell them how to manage their difficult boss or, you know, what, what the right ratio of sales development representatives to account executives should be. And that's totally fine, too. You know, it just depends what people need.
0: Got it. And um, also in the book, you talk about, you know, building up different sources of income because revenue leaders uh, are in the jobs for anywhere from 1.5 to you know 1.8. Months uh, and it's difficult for them to scale up. Uh, some interesting ideas. Where you talked about, can can you talk more about? You know, wh- what what are different ways in which revenue leaders can can build up the source of income? And uh, you know, when they take roles in high growth startups, what what more should they do in order to uh, have the freedom to you know uh, and, and to back themselves up if you know they they're able to lose their jobs, if in unfortunate circumstances.
1: Well, I think um you know, I think uh there's different phases to your career and I think if the first at the beginning of your career, you know, I think there should be a little bit less emphasis um uh on, you know, side hustles. I mean, do whatever you want. You know, first of all, do whatever you want. Like if I'm not your boss and if you're out there listening and you want to start your own business, start your own podcast, I think you should. But I okay. guess the big point is that you know, when you get later in your career, I think diversifying your revenue streams, diversifying your income streams, uh, is possible, and I support it. And it was really pretty transformational for me. Uh, when I was fired in 2017, I started a consulting business, and that consulting business really helped give me the confidence to be uh, to be a better CRO, to be a better executive. So, you know, what I would say is, you know, if you're if you're a, a, an operator at a high growth company. You know, there's a couple of lessons that are articulated in the book. One of them is document your experience, right? Write down all of the things that you know, write down what you're learning because that helps you build a consulting business and build, you know, over time, once you have a document of what you know, you can figure out how to turn that into revenue or into advisory work, you know, as you grow. Um, And then the second thing I would be, I would say is just again, like build your network, right? The two pieces to building my consulting business that I articulate in the book, the first one is, is write down what you know, and have a lot and hopefully you know a lot and the second is make sure that you're constantly investing in your network and if those two things are happening over the course of 5 10 15 years then there's an opportunity to monetize that network you know later on so you know those are the the two pieces of advice i would give
0: yeah i think i think the interesting thing you talk about is uh, a document about uh, about sam which you share with your employee i think that's something interesting i'm going to i also have a document about me but i i don't really share it with uh, with my team uh, but that, that's an interesting insight, and uh, and you know it's it's about the the topic which is kind folks finish first, and you know especially when it comes to revenue or, or, or roles, especially in sales and marketing, you know it's supposed to be cutthroat, and that's what you're taught. Uh, that's what you're taught. Uh, you know what what is what is your thought behind you know being kind, being reciprocative? What if you, you know the other team members are not as kind? You know what what, what should they do? Uh, what's what's the whole premise about? Uh, you
1: know kind folks finish first well there's a there's a few different uh pieces to this the first is that um the point of the book is that it, it, it is it is titled intentionally this mm-hmm. is not just a, a framework or an idea to help you sleep better at night this is not just about being a good person this is about how being a good person helps you succeed So that's one of the points of the book, that there's lots of people that are cutthroat. One of the ways that being kind helps you succeed is that you look different. You can differentiate yourself, right? If everybody else is playing one way, you can look different. You can stand out by playing a different way. And that way that I advocate is kindness. The second is that um, you know, when you help other people, when you offer support and assistance, um, you become somebody that is known for offering support and assistance. And then other people that need support and assistance begin to find you. And over time, what that means is that people are coming to you for support and assistance. Well, people that can offer large amounts of support and assistance are powerful people. That's one definition of power. And so the other point of it is that not only do you differentiate yourself, but you can accumulate power over time by being helpful. And I, so, you know, what if everybody else is being cutthroat and you're not, you know, and you're not supported? Well, I um, I think that might be an opportunity, first of all. Second of all, yeah, maybe in the short term, you'll be taken advantage of, but in the long term, there's going to be opportunities for you to find other people that believe and share your values. And that's part of the point of Pavilion. One of the points of Pavilion is that we can build and indoctrinate a global community of people that all believe that kind folks finish first. And when they believe those things, they can feel like, um, they're surrounded by other people that share their values. So, you know, uh, those are just some of the ideas that, that are sort of underpinning the book. But I guess the fundamental point of it is that uh, I, I have found, I have found that uh, helping other people, even in the midst of a bunch of people that are cutthroat, that are more short-sighted, helping other people has been a path for me to generate professional success.
0: Interesting. And, uh, yeah, I want to talk about your write, uh, book writing process. Well, since you, you know, you see, uh, you're a busy CEO, were well, were you also spending a lot of time uh, in writing or, do, you know, how much time did it take for you to start writing and then ending it?
1: Well, it took a while. It took about a year plus. And, um, uh, I, uh, yeah, it took a full year. That's how long it took. I started in, uh, I started in the beginning of the summer of 2021. Okay. And I've, and I delivered the manuscript June 1st, 2022. So there you go. And the process was really, you know, I wrote about it on LinkedIn. It's fits and starts. You know, there's no, I would love to say that I'm like the most disciplined writer, I'm the most disciplined content creator, but that's not really yeah. true. The truth of it is that it's hard work, it takes a long time. And, uh, and I needed other people's help. I hired a book coach, I hired this woman that's a co author with me, Carrie Linson Bigler. I, um, you know, and it was a process of just trying to push it forward, push it forward until finally we were able to deliver it, you know, deliver it to uh, to the publisher on time. But it was it was a lot of work. I I guess one of the things I would say if you're out there wanting to write a book is that one of the interesting techniques is that we started from the end. So my book coach, the first thing we started with was the title. Then the next thing we started with was a summary of the book. Then the next thing that we did was we wrote the inside cover of the book. Then we wrote the the chapter, uh, the the outline of the book, each chapter, and then we would fill in each section with what are the details of that chapter. And then we started writing. So we didn't write till the end. The first thing we did was outline everything so that we understood what was coming, and that made it that made it less daunting. Complete blank page.
0: Mainman is a email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive, you can visit MailmanHQ.com and use the code LSM uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit MailmanHQ.com and use the code LSM. Got it. and uh, you you know it looks like you spend a lot of time on content creation but how much time would you would you suggest on marketing uh the book mm-hmm. or content and, and what are I think
1: marketing you... is the most important part of it you know everybody yeah. it's always the same whether you're cr- any kind of con- I mean anything that you create a product uh, a book a piece of music um it's always how are you going to get people to actually listen to it and you know the the fallacy is always, we hope that it catches fire. You know, we hope that just one person loves it and then a million people love it. And it turns out that that's not really how. So so marketing is, is probably two thirds of the effort. And we, you know, I'm in a very privileged position because I had the advantage of a company behind me. And so we really went to work to tell people about it. Even right now, we're running a campaign on LinkedIn, where if you fill out a little piece of paper, you get a free copy of the book and the first 200 people to do it, get free copies. And that's just because, you know, the most important thing is that people get that it gets into people's hands, you know, as many people as possible, read the book, understand the book. And then once that happens, we'll see if people like it so far, you know, on LinkedIn, I mean, we're a Wall we were a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, yeah. you know, last week, yeah. I think we've probably fallen out of the top 10 list at this point, but that's okay. And yeah. then, um, and you know, we've got 19 five star reviews on Amazon, but we always want more. I mean, it's just a constant effort to push, push, push.
0: Got it. And, uh, I, I wanted to understand, especially for, for revenue leaders, uh, during these times, you know, the quick uh, on this recession in UK and US, um, what, what's Uh, advice would you give to them on you know what should they do to uh to land you know big clients especially if they are a they're a small startup uh and you know what should they prepare for for 2023 since we're recording December 2022
1: well I think um the big clients before I don't think now is the time to start preparing to do so I think Mm -hmm. um you know the Vern Harnish, the guy that wrote Scaling Up, has this idea in his book, you know, grow where you're planted. I think now is the time to double down on your ICP, double down on your existing customers, double down on your ICP and um, and, and growth and go from there. And um, that's that's my recommendation, because I think if you don't have the muscles or the experience closing large enterprise clients, it's very, very difficult to, I mean, to sort of build them up. And it takes resources. You need a deal desk, you need people to review RFPs, you need, uh, you know, it's a multi-threaded conversation amongst all of the different levels of the organization on your side and their side. So, you know, my advice to people heading into next year is be conservative, you know, Salesforce just announced that they're not giving next year's guidance. So how are startups that have no idea how to forecast. How are they giving guidance? If Salesforce can't even give guidance, I think next year is about being as responsible as you can with capital and really trying to listen to the market and and time your opportunities to invest based on market data and information.
0: Got interesting. And uh, you know, what's the, what's a growth plan for for Pavilion? Are you looking to expand more university offerings in two thousand twenty three?
1: Our plan in, uh, in next year is to really uh, shore up retention and net, and net promoter score. It's just to focus on our customers, just as I've been advocating. We're, tr- we're still trying to grow, but we're not trying to grow inordinately. We're, we're trying to grow proportionally and you know probably take our growth down a little bit so that we can focus on capital efficiency, meaning profitability, and also just making our customers happy. If we can do those things, I think we'll be in good shape.
0: Got Interesting. And you, you also mentioned in the book that you don't look at sponsorships. Uh, and you're not trying to upsell. You just have uh, one fixed fee. Uh, is is are, are you looking to, uh, you know, scale into more cities going forward with the, with the same plan? And is it going to be focused only on education?
1: The main focus will be education, and that's sort of for me. The point of community is really about peer based learning and peer based support. And um, we actually do have some sponsorship revenue. Twenty percent of our revenue comes from sponsors, but I think the thrust of it will always come from trying to make individual executives at high growth companies, uh, happy, successful, uh, you know, and then if we feel like if they're happy and successful, they'll bring on their teams and they will add, uh, you know, and they will expand their relationship with us. And if they're not, they won't. And, um, you know, that's the goal. The goal is you're a member of Rohit and we want you to renew, you know, and I want to make sure that we have the formula of things over the course of a year that would make you that would make you interested in renewing. And, uh, and for me, that comes down to um, the right in person events, the right learning experiences. And then, you know, I, uh, you just been placed in a what we call a core group, which is like a smaller slack community of about 100 people. And, right. you know, hopefully, that's useful, uh, because London itself was Almost a thousand people uh, in the right. community, and and so I think we need to make it a little bit smaller and more navigable for people, so that they understand how to how to get better value.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Looking uh, really excited about about the growth of Pavilion uh, next coming years. Um, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book?
1: My favorite business book. That's a great question. Uh, I would say my favorite business book is um. I guess it's the sales acceleration formula by Mark Robert, uh, which I read a long time ago. But it's, you know, it's just a systematic way about how he thought about building out HubSpot's, you know, go-to-market machine when he was there. And uh, you know, pretty inspiring stuff.
0: Got it. We'll we'll put that in the show notes. And you know, if you could go back in time when you started pavilion, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently?
1: I wouldn't have. Probably expanded into so many into like different categories and been so eager to expand into different categories. I probably would have tried to stay focused on on the core executive community more, and I would probably would have tried to charge a lot more earlier, because I feel like we're underpriced relative to the value that we deliver.
0: Got it, love it. And uh, do you have any favorite online tools, example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom?
1: Uh I mean, I use Slack, I use Zoom, I like Gmail. I uh Strava
0: for running. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, uh, sam, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about your book? Uh, kind oh, of. Oh, sure. First.
1: People can reach out to me over email, sam at jointpavilion.com, reference the podcast and the subject of the email. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And of course, you can Slack me if you're a member of Pavilion, which I would love.
0: Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for taking your time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.